0: Good morning. I'm not going to interrupt the. Uh, I'm not going to interrupt the ushers. I'll let them get their job done here. We'll try that again. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Praise God, you're awake. It's a great day to be awake. Huh? And so I just want to to introduce myself to those who may be visiting or are the first time. My name is Roger Stewart. I'm part of the pastoral staff. Uh, they call me a part-time pastor, but that's kind of like being a part-time Christian. It's not possible, you know. So uh, when I hit my retirement years, Pastor Jim said, no, nah, I, I need you. So to co-labor with the congregation and with him. You know, we are all co-laboring together. I hope you realize that. At least we're praying that's true for you, that you don't see the pastors as your hirelings, but as your co-laborers. Amen that we work together for the king and his kingdom. All right, I'm just going to ask right now that before I begin my message this morning that you just quiet yourself before the Lord. Just get really quiet. And, and I'm going to ask you in a way to kind of just shut down the world and all its demands. Maybe even shut down that thing that's been pressing your mind and your heart from the world's sense anyway. And open your spirit this morning because God speaks to us in the same way that we worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen? So Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now to glorify Jesus Christ to take the word of life and the word of God and make it so alive in us and so alive to us that we are changed. Have your way in the service and use me this morning, I pray, Holy Spirit, to call your people to know how much you love us, God. How what you care about us Lord Jesus what you've done for us so that we can have fellowship with you that we don't have to go through life hoping or desperate even though we sing sometimes I'm desperate for you we can feel that way God but you said you don't want us to be that way you want us to live in hope in power in grace, so Father, I just pray for that this morning. Use me and speak to your people. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That was good, huh? Just taking a moment to let go of all those pressing things and just open your heart to God. All right, we're in the book First John, and this is the second message in our series, and. Uh, You know, the truths that are in the Word of God are always relevant, aren't they? They're as relevant today as they were on the day that the Holy Spirit gave John this letter to the church. Now, if you're a Bible reader, I think it's probably become clear to you that a lot of the letters that were written to the church were to address issues and doctrinal issues and practical issues in the lives of Christians. Uh, For example, I think... If you've read 1 Corinthians, you remember Paul said, uh, Church, you've got all the gifts, but your heart's not right. Your spirit's not right. You're carnal. You're worldly. And I need, to, I need to call your attention to the fact that it's Jesus. That when I came to you, I came to you in weakness, and I, I wanted your faith to rest in the power of God and not in the wisdom of men. Amen? I wanted you to know that it's Jesus Christ is our life. So as we come to these uh, verses in 1 John, uh, it's true that there was a problem in the church in John's day. It was a group of people who had stepped out of the faith and embraced a teaching called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism wasn't new at that time, but it just had a resurgence. Now, this is in, in this area where John was and who the church exactly that he was writing to. Now, the truths that are here are eternal. For example, I mean, of all the the writers of the the Bible, I think John makes truth known in as succinct a manner as it's possible. For example, he says, God is light, or God is righteous, or God is forgiving, or God is love, right? I mean, that's not a very big sentence, is it? But it's powerful. It's packed with who God is, and and, and if you really begin to think about that in the spirit, uh, it'll bless your life. It'll transform your life if you really understand what John is saying and and the Holy Spirit is saying through him in those verses. Now, last week, Pastor Jim reminded us of who this apostle was that's writing. That he was. He called himself the beloved apostle. I am the beloved apostle. Those guys, well, they're apostles, but me, I'm the beloved apostle. I mean, you know, John could almost be accused of a little egotism unless you realize that the relationship that he had with Jesus, humanly speaking, was so special that when Jesus was on the cross, he said to his mother, uh, he said to John, John, I want you to take care of my mother. And he said to his mother, John is now your son. You see, he had a great human relationship with Jesus, amen? Is it possible to have human relationships that are superb? Can you even have, as a human being, a love for Jesus just in your humanness, amen, and a relationship with him? But the truth of the matter is here that that's not the kind of relationship that will make a difference in our lives, nor will it empower us to live the way that God has called us to live as his children. Should children be proud of their parents, I mean, parents be proud of their children? Hello? How many lives have been ruined because a parent wouldn't acknowledge their child or express their love for them even if they failed? Uh, My son gave us a funny Christmas gift, or Christmas card this last year. In fact, I laughed so hard the tears ran down my face. Uh, Maybe you won't think it's as funny, but I'll share it with you. It starts on the front page. He gave us a good one, by the way, that just... Focused on Jesus' birth and coming. But this one he gave us because he wanted—he just couldn't stop. On the front, it shows two women sitting on donkeys. And on the back of one of the donkeys, it says, my son is an honor student. Okay? And on the back of another, the other donkey, it says, "And my son is in med school. And the women are talking, and one says to the other, don't look now, but here comes Mary. Yeah, you know what's coming? You open the card, and there's Mary's donkey next to him, and it says, my son is God. <laughs> top that one <laughs> it's right for parents to be proud of their children and, and to tell them how valuable they are and how, how much they love them even when they don't have the greatest of success in their life amen do you think God is like that do you really think he still loves you even when you mess up you think he's holding you up to a standard that you can never meet? Some people do. And they find it hard to come to a God who's holy when they know that they are not completely holy in all that they are as a human being, especially. You know, before I met Jesus, I tried to, I, I had a, a near-death experience and during that experience, I hadn't been walking as a Christian, wasn't didn't even know what, what it was to be a Christian. I had been taught as a child in the church i went to that if you just simply believe in the fact of jesus christ that's all you need if you believe the fact that he died on the cross then the big umbrella of god is over you you know like that the commercial with the big red umbrella there and and you're covered and you will have eternal life but i had a near-death experience and as i lay there i prayed and said jesus will you forgive my sins and let me into heaven and the answer I got was not what I was hoping for. He said to me, and I, I say he said to me, I really felt like I got this message from God. I'm sorry you never knew me. You only knew about me. There was no relationship with God. There was simply a fact that was believed. And brothers and sisters, that's not why Jesus came. He came to restore man back to that condition where we could have an intimate personal relationship with God that was life-giving and empowering, amen? That would give us the ability to live, truly live as the children of God and bring honor to his name to show forth that we, fallen human beings, could be transformed and renewed and given life from above and that we could live a life that made God real, in the world hallelujah amen all right so that's what that's what the message of the gospel is that god loves you that he loves every human being that has ever been created and that this body that we are in right now this earth suit is really meant to be the temple of the living god that he wants to abide with us in this body that we could have intimate personal fellowship with him all the time, not part-time, but all the time. And out of that relationship, we would have the ability to bring him glory and to overcome all the things that the flesh wants to do to keep us from being able to do that. In fact, if you remember in Galatians, Paul writes, the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh so that you may not do the things you may want to do. Our flesh still wants to do things that aren't pleasing to God. Anybody agree with that? But the Holy Spirit says, I can put to death the deeds of the flesh, and I can cause you to truly live. And I can cause your spirit to know that you are a child of God, that you're living like one, and you can even cry out, Abba, Daddy. That's how intimate your relationship with God can be and should be. So could you throw up the first verse here? Uh, Last week, Pastor Jim started with this verse. It's the beginning and opening of 1 John. And he expressed here that John was one of the 12 that Jesus personally called to be his disciples. How would you like to be one of the? Anybody ever wish that you were one of the 12? You know that maybe that would have made a difference in your life? What were they like before he called them? Holy men? I don't think so. Tax collectors, fishermen. Fishermen, like shepherds, didn't have a very good reputation in that day. They tend to curse. Now, I do believe these men were looking for Messiah. I do believe they had a desire to know Messiah, but I don't believe they were holy men. Does that make sense? So the guys that are writing to us here are men who were transformed By God. They were changed from merely being human beings with a human spirit into being children of God with a spirit that was born of God or was a Holy Spirit. Do you believe that your spirit is holy? Even as a human being, that God has given you his spirit in you and made you to have a life. That comes from God and a life that can relate to God as a human being. Now, can you do it apart from Jesus Christ? No. Don't get me wrong. But he gave you a spirit that is eternal and eternally right with him. Will you be in heaven? If you know Jesus Christ and you're you're living him. Well, guess what? It's not the Holy Spirit who's going to heaven in your place. It's you. It's you. So God wants to have a personal relationship with you. He loves you. Yeah, he knows all about us. Does he want us to live a defeated life or do you think he wants us to live a victorious life as the word of God was given this morning? He wants you to live a victorious life, but you can't do it in the flesh. Your flesh can cooperate with the Holy Spirit and be subject to the Holy Spirit and thereby be sanctified, but you're not going to be able to do it with just your humanness. It's not going to happen. Now, how many of you thought that the apostles were special? Come on. God gave the scriptures through them, right? These guys were special guys. You would expect them to say, you know, why don't you be like us? <clears throat> In fact, if you look at this opening verse, that which from, from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. Can you show the next part? And the life appeared and we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and appeared to us. And then we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. Awesome words. But if you separate yourself from the ones who wrote them as if you're not exactly like they are or that your relationship with God can't be exactly like theirs, then there's something wrong with your ability to receive what the Holy Spirit is saying here. I find it interesting that John is writing, yet he uses the third person or the third. The, what do you call it? The, the we. He doesn't say I. He says We. Are you included in the we? When John writes we? Or is it just these holy men? In other words, what John says at the end is, or what the Holy Spirit says at the end is, we write this so that you will have the exact same fellowship with God the Father and God the Son that we have come to know and live in. Amen? So, don't look at yourself as a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God as though you're something lower than the ones who he, he made apostles because they say that that's not true. And the Holy Spirit says, that's not true. You mean it's actually true that I can have the same level of fellowship with God as the apostle John? Yes. The apostle Peter? Yes. The apostle Paul? Yes. The pastor? Yes. Amen? There are no second class citizens from God's perspective. Think about that for a minute. He doesn't look at you and say, huh? Maybe, I don't know. Or if only, if only they'd clean up their act. No, if only they would submit to the Holy Spirit and let me clean up their act. If only they would walk in fellowship with me and have my authority to walk in victory. If only they would walk with me as Jesus did. As Jesus did? Could the scripture actually ask of me to walk as Jesus did? I think you're going to find it in the letter. Isn't that awesome? I I hope that it doesn't come across condemning to you. I hope that comes across to you as to say, yeah, you're that important to God. You're that valuable to God. And he believes that he can give you what you need to walk victoriously, not only victoriously, but as a powerful minister of his kingdom. Just as the apostles did. How did they do it? And the answer was, they're telling us right here in verse 1, the secret to our life is intimacy. The secret to our life is having an abiding fellowship with God that isn't there on Sunday, but not Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but it's there every day of the week, every hour of the day. It's there when I go to sleep. It's there when I wake up. I have fellowship with God. Amen? Wouldn't that be great to live that way? To know that you are that way, as far as God's concerned, does, He desires to have that level of intimacy with you. And what's standing in the way? Believe it or not, the flesh, the world, and the devil. They're all trying to keep you from that kind of intimacy. I mean, I can actually oppose my own intimacy with God? Sure, all I got to do is believe it's not possible. All I have to do is believe I'm unworthy. All I have to do is think that the getting a sense of worth and value for myself out of this world and the things that come from this world are of greater value than having my intimacy, having my sense of wealth and or wealth. Yeah, wealth too. all kinds. Every part of my life, finding it's it's person, personal and its purpose in God. Amen. All right. So. This book is just so amazing because it is going to, te- if you listen carefully to what the spirit is saying to us, it's, it says, if I, if I, if I say, if I do, if I, if I, if I, if I, then I'm in trouble. But if he, <laughs> I am empowered. If I walk in the light as He is in the light. I have fellowship with God and I have fellowship with you. Oh, and by the way, if I sin, the blood of Jesus Christ covers me and restores me. Amen? Do you have Christ's righteousness? And if he's given it to you, can you take it away? I don't think so. You can live as though you're not living in his righteousness and his strength and his power or his presence. But that doesn't mean you can take away the righteousness that Christ provides. Amen. All right. So let's let's consider what what Pastor Jim said last week, which is if I claim to have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. Notice notice John (laughs) doesn't say you lie. He says what? Why does he include himself? And the answer is because he's every bit as human as you are. Amen? And he needs the Holy Spirit every bit as much as you do, and he needs to be empowered by the Spirit of God every bit as much as we all do. Amen? Amen. Listen, this is a man writing by the influence and authority and power and revelation of the Holy Spirit. He's a man like you. He's a man like me. Did he have an intimate Awesome relationship with God that brought him great joy. Yes, he did. And he's trying to share that with us. Amen. Come on, let's get excited about how good this can be. Amen. All right. So the very men who lived with Jesus, who touched him and saw him and spoke with him while he was on the earth before he went to the cross and who touched him and spoke with him after he rose from the dead and actually saw him go up into heaven. These men are writing to us and saying Boy, am I glad we have a Savior. Boy, am I glad we have the Holy Spirit. Boy, am I glad I live in the kind of relationship with God that has been made available to me through our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It brings us such joy to have this effective in our life. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't single these guys out and say, now, if you could only live like they do, then you would be one of my chosen. No, Jesus reminded them, listen, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you, right? Hallelujah. He chose them not because they were worthy, but because they were chosen to be the first. Hallelujah. So, uh, we've been doing this series on hearing the voice of God. And, and I'll tell you what, the most precious part of the, about this whole message is this. God is spirit. And he speaks as a spirit being. So if you're demanding that you, that you have to hear him with your human ears, you're probably not going to. Those who worship God must worship him how? And if you have to worship him in spirit and truth, do you think he might speak to you in spirit and in truth? And if we have to rely on the Holy Spirit in order to even get the revelation of God, then how else would you expect him to speak to you than spiritually? And so what we're learning is how to shut down the demand that everything come analytically and through our brain and through our senses and open our heart and our spirit to hear from God. Hallelujah. I mean, I don't know about you, that excites me. In fact, the first time that I spent time with God after I, I saw this series, I felt like, whoa, whoa, forgive me, God, that, I, that my spirit man has not been more in tune with you and listening to you spiritually so that I could hear from you in my spirit, man. You know, the, the Bible in Genesis tells us that God breathed his spirit into man. He became a living being. He was in perfect fellowship with God. No sin, nothing, right? And it says, and they walked and talked with God in the garden. And most of us automatically think, you know what? God showed up in human form. He was in his humanness, and he walked around the garden with him, talking with him, and they heard his voice like that. You know what? I don't believe that anymore. I believe that God showed up and he was there in spirit. And they communed in spirit. They communicated in spirit. I believe they could hear a voice. Sure. But I don't think God stood there like this against the tree. Uh, I I left heaven, by the way. I'm here for, for you guys now. Do you understand what I'm saying? So... If he spoke to Adam and Eve in the spirit, do you think he'll speak to you in the spirit? If you are a child of God, born of him, born again, hallelujah, born of the Holy Spirit. Given back a spirit that can commune with God and have fellowship with him. What an awesome, awesome thing Jesus has done for us. In Hebrews, it says, come on up to the most holy place. Are you going to go up there in your body? Or are you going to go there in your spirit? And it says, by the way, the way in has been opened for you through his body. That is the veil that was torn. And you come by the holiness and righteousness of the sprinkling of the blood that was necessary in the earthly tabernacle. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And it's the way into the heavenly one. So when you come to have fellowship with God, come through Jesus Christ. Amen. It's the only way to come. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but by me. So I must be united with Christ. I must be alive in Christ, and Christ must be alive in me for this fellowship to be possible. And it's not something I can earn, but it's something I can receive when I give him myself. Amen? He said, give me your life, I'll give you mine. (laughs) what what an awesome transfer I give him a rusty old car from upstate New York and he gives me a car that will never rust or fade or even have a flat tire (laughs) sorry that's not necessarily a good analogy but it came to me there in other words I give him my brokenness and my sin condition and he gives me his righteousness in life hallelujah and invites me come Now let's live together for the king. Now let's let you fulfill what you were created to be and to do. Because you're in fellowship with me. I live in you and you live in me. And the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to minister the kingdom. Do you remember, I'm I'm just going to pound this home a little bit further with these words. Do you remember that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12, he said, no one by the Holy Spirit can say Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So how will you live your life as a child of God and to glorify Jesus? It has to be because not only is your spirit alive to God, but the Holy Spirit is alive in you and his power is being released in your life to keep the flesh under and to give you ministry ability. Amen. ha huh. Remember then, Peter said to the disciples at one point, who do you say that I am? They'd been with him a while. You see, some were saying he was Elijah, come back, and he was the prophet or this or that. And, and what did Peter say? Somebody can help me here. I know you all know this, but or most of you do. What did Peter say to Jesus when he said, who do you say that I am? Thou art the... Christ, the Son of the Living God. Do you know how Jesus answered him? He said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah, for this, but I want you to know flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. <laughs> we can't even know Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit, from God's revelation of him to us. Amen? So let's get off this thing about I can be uh, what God wants me to be. <coughs> by just uh, gritting my teeth and and having victory over all these uh, desires that are in me and somehow I'll just become worthy enough for God to have fellowship with me. No, 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 no. Not what you're hearing from the Holy Spirit through the Apostle John, amen? All right, so let's look at the, first verse of chapter 2 and i think i have it up there i if my guy okay my dear children notice god is speaking to who his children those who are born of him those who are spiritually alive to him those who are already in a relationship with him and he's saying i write this to you so that you will not sin but if anybody does sin There's that next word again. What is it? Come on. It's just a little two letters. What is it? We. Apostle John. We. You sin, John. Well, you're an apostle. Come on. You sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with Father. (laughs) I hope this is helping you. Okay, I hope this is helping you see that you're just as special to God as John. And he's there for you as an advocate as much as he was for him. So when we mess up, when either the devil lies to us and we believe him or when we fall in our flesh, in our humanness and we mess up, we have an advocate with the father. Do you know what an advocate is? It's a defense attorney. And Jesus has never lost a case. And he's not about to lose yours either. Amen? Gosh, I don't know. I hope this is exciting to you. You know, God says, go ahead. I want you to walk in the spirit, live a holy life. I want you to reflect who I am. I want you to minister my kingdom. And by the way, if you mess up, it's okay. I got you covered. I don't want you to mess up. I don't want you to make excuses for for messing up. What I want you to do is confess your sin, come to the advocate, and allow him to plead your case with me, and I'll restore you because of him. Amen? Oh, gosh, this is good stuff. This isn't John going up there, come on, church, what's the matter with you? You're not walking holy. That's not what this is. This is an invitation To live in the abiding fellowship that God has offered to us through Jesus Christ. Does that make this a little better book to read? Huh? I mean, most people try to avoid this book because they say, oh, this is all about holiness. And holiness is one of those things the church doesn't even understand, much less walk in. So how can we possibly enjoy reading 1 John? And the answer is because in it is the secret to a victorious Christian life and an abiding fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. All right, good stuff. All right, so then it goes on to say, whoever says I know him, all right, sorry, I'm, okay, I'm jumping to the next verse. 1 John 2, 3 to 5. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him or in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, the love of God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to be in him must walk as Jesus walked. Whoa. Whoa, I'm not Jesus. Come on. No, it says walk to live as Jesus did or walk as Jesus did. Now, I have to tell you, one of the things that really broke, uh, broke some theology problems for me was when Bill Johnson wrote in, in a book that he writes, um, if Jesus did what he did simply because he was God, I'm impressed, but I'm not obligated. But if Jesus laid aside his glory, put on human flesh, and did what he did because of his relationship with the Father and the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a different story. Amen? You know, some of us have Jesus being so God that he's not man. And then some people have him so man that he's not God. That's what the Gnostics problem was. But what did Jesus do? He put on human flesh. He laid aside his glory and he depended upon the Holy Spirit to see people's hearts, to see people's minds. Does the Holy Spirit give words of knowledge and words of wisdom to human beings that aren't Jesus? Can the Holy Spirit speak to you about what's going on in someone else's life so that God can reach in and touch them and show them that he loves them and wants to rescue them from their situation and bring them into his family or bring them back into fellowship if they stepped out? So what is this verse really saying? This verse is saying, listen, you're a son or a daughter of God. You've been born again of the Holy Spirit. You have Christ in you, and you are in Christ. I will use you like I use Jesus if you'll walk with me in the same faith and relationship he did. By the way, how is his relationship with the Father? What did he say? I and the Father are? What is John saying in the beginning of this? We've come to understand oneness with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Not just understand it, but experience it. And we're telling you about it so that you can have the same thing we have. So if you want to walk as Jesus did or live as Jesus did, then you must be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. You must let God's, your relationship with God be one so that God lives in you and you live in God, right? Right? I mean, isn't he really saying that we can walk like he did if we're born again and we become children of God? It's not beyond our ability when it comes from God in us and we're dependent upon God. See, Jesus lived a life of dependence while he was here on the earth. The scripture says he was tempted in every way like as unto us yet without sin. You see that the difference between us and Jesus in temptation is this. If we fall to it, It's completed. If you never fall to it, it never stops trying to get you. So if Jesus was tempted in every way like we, yet without sin, I think he was tempted even more than anybody in this room could ever be tempted. Does that make sense to you? Yet he never fell. Why? He depended on his relationship with God and the power of God in him. So does that sound like a condemning verse or a verse that cannot be reached if you think of it as the way Jesus lived was in total dependence and fellowship with God and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in his life? Can you do that? Scripture says you can. The apostle invites us to. Amen? Gosh, this is a good book. It's got good news all over the place. It's not written to condemn the church. It's written to lift the church higher. It's written to give you hope. It's written to give you joy. It's written to give you peace. Jesus said, I want you to enter my rest. Do you know what that rest is? Not having it being done in the flesh, but having it being done by the Holy Spirit in you with your spirit that is in love with God and is born of God and is in been made able to have a relationship with him amen amen and amen hallelujah has it been good to be in church does god love you do you think he he wants you to have a victorious life do you think he's going to kick you out if you if you blow it Do you think he's going to f- just say ah, get away from me you know that's the third time you did that maybe the 10th time you know He's saying, come on, I can give you victory over it. I can give you victory over it. Do you know that most of the hurts that people fall subject to are from human relationships, not from heavenly ones? Hello? Do you know your father? Do you know your father? Here is eternal life that you may know him. He knows you, and he invites you to know him. Amen? To have fellowship with him. To give up on me as far as the means to righteousness and embrace the only way that we have to be righteous, the provision of God and the presence of God in your life. Good news. Good news. It doesn't depend on me. Good news. I can be what you want me to be? Good news. And even if I mess up, you'll restore me? Oh, great news, amen? (laughs) I hope it's been good to be with God today. And I hope you've heard from him. Do You know, there's a verse, uh, I think we can throw it up here. It's from Philippians this one is confused Um, yeah therefore my dear friends as you have always obeyed not only in my presence but now much more in my absence continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling now if that's all I got I'd be really worried was now you work out your salvation do it the rest of it for it is what? Who works where? To do what? Oh, you mean I can really have God do what he wants to do in my life? If I just say that's my purpose, I'm going to work with God to see that happen. (laughs) Uh, Guess what that work is? Submission, folks. Surrender and invitation. Would you stand with me this morning? You know what? God is always, always, always ready to hear what you have to say to him. And maybe this morning, it's time you heard what he had to say to you. So just quiet your spirit again. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come now in the name of Jesus Christ and speak to people's hearts. God, I could pray a corporate prayer, but you have a word for each of your children. So as they stand quietly here before you this morning, Holy Spirit, I pray that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened. Touch hearts with your love, your forgiveness, your grace, hope, acceptance, beloved, precious. My possession, my joy. Thank you, Father, that your desire is for us to be able to glorify you. Thank you, Jesus, and we pray it in your name. Amen.